Words from the Hills, reconfigure your life, change your heart, and prepare you for all that God has destined you to be. Welcome to the Hills Church. So I remember um, about nine years ago, God led me to plant my first garden. And one of the reasons why I never planted a garden is because I'm not a patient person. I remember I walked into Tadu to his garden and at the beginning of the garden, there was something that said, God, a mom's garden. And then I didn't have children mom's garden i remember and i um and i thought how how do i own a garden i will start watering plants one by one and then it will now be growing small 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 it becomes a garden and then one day i remember when we moved to our space in sabo we have this sprawling roof garden which is why i love the space and god said i want you to plant your garden all at once and and so what would have taken a normal human being like two years to put together, I put together in about three, four days. And I went to town buying this tropical paradise of plants and palms and ferns and, you know, all together. And he told me that exactly as you planted your garden, that's exactly how your life is going to change suddenly that you're not going to wait and do it a little at a time but I'm just going to change your life suddenly and that came at a time when I was going through miscarriage after miscarriage after miscarriage after miscarriage after miscarriage and I couldn't understand what he was saying that he was going to bless me suddenly and boy did he and I thought it was the way he brought my children. Because I already believed that that was the one thing he wouldn't give me. I felt like, you know, with the disappointments, there was a time I did believe God for kids. But when my heart was broken to a certain degree, I felt like, see, I leave this one. He has been good to you. Just focus on the things he has done. Leave this one. This is the one thing you're not going to get. Can you still love him? Can you still worship him? But then when I was pregnant with my children, I also didn't know that I was also pregnant with the future of my sound. And while I carried the children, being away in an apartment by myself for months, he would talk about the sound, the music, what was going to be released through me. On one hand, he was talking about all these sounds. And on the other hand, he dried up my ability to write music. So I thought that that period when I was pregnant, I don't know why I'm sharing this story, but I'll just go with the Holy Ghost. So I thought that that period where I was pregnant, I was going to write all these beautiful songs because I was going to be in America by myself and I wasn't making pictures. And I was just going to create this beautiful album. And... And especially because God was talking about music. And so I remember that I, I couldn't write any songs. I mean, I wrote Greenland. I stand in the rain as the clouds go gray, the thunder roars and the earth sings. The season is just beginning. The sunlight, it hides as the clouds make way. I, very complicated, poetic words. But I couldn't stitch. If you're a songwriter, you know what it means to go through writer's block. I couldn't stitch two sentences together. The songs that came out of me were more like, you are uncle, and that's it. There's nothing more. And I would feel this well of inspiration 
coming from inside me and I'll think this is it and I'll come up with Jesus and no more and it went on for months after month after month and I thought I'm a manageable woman let me pay producer money that in dollars and sit with him for a weekend surely because of the money music will come out so I remember he spent one weekend working with me and we unsuccessfully wrote two lines and not only did we not make any music he entered into a season of dryness for the next six months nothing came out of him for the next six months because what God had dried up it was he had interfered with so he caught on to the dryness but I also remember that the dryness was almost like the way my children were born if you've ever done an IVF the first thing they do is give you medication to kind of shut your wound down first to shut it down let everything go dry it up and then they start to give you hormonal injections that builds up your reproductive system so that everything can kind of be in control so that they can decide okay this is when the egg should be forming now and if we don't have enough eggs let's punch stuff in and it's the same way when you're going to have a surrogate mom. What normally would happen is that they would dry both your wombs up at the same time so that as they begin to give it life, it's happening exactly at the same time so that you, you're literally almost cross-pollinating with another human being so that when the egg leaves your body and enters that person's body, the egg can thrive because you're in absolutely the same situation. So when you look around you and you see a group of people that seem to be drying out, it may not be because God is trying to kill you all. It may not be that God is trying to kill your circle of friends. It may be that God is trying to grow a garden and he's trying to cross-pollinate and create the circumstances that makes it possible for your seed to grow in their womb, for their seed to grow in yours and so that God can begin to build something new together. So if it feels like you're shutting down, you may not be shutting down because there's an intelligent mind that has decided that, let's start over. So can you sit with him right now? I begin to tell him, I trust you. That my cycles and my cycles and my... The womb of my life, the womb of my destiny, the womb of my spirit is in your hands. I'm looking inside of me and everything seems dry and everything seems dead. but I trust you. So I remember in the midst of my dry seasons, because it's one thing to be dry, it's another thing to miscarry. I think miscarriages are some of the most violent, ugly, clearly disappointment, disappointing experiences a woman can have. Because before a miscarriage holds, you carry a promise. All the signs are there. Your period is late. 
you're feeling a little sluggish. Your eyes light up. Perhaps, maybe this is it. And you begin to stir up hope and carry hope. You begin to buy clothes. You begin to think. You begin to look for names. And then from your body, you experience what seems to be like a slaughter. That's the only way I can describe it. When you bleed, it wasn't just a child that died. It was your dreams. It was your hope. And for many of us, that's what it seems like. We, all the signs were in place. Everything seemed to be moving forward. And then, whoosh, nothing. Just go to him and say, I trust you. You're doing something with me. You're doing something with me. Call him and he was so bad in so as I begin to speak I want you to not be afraid or ashamed to release your own sound because I find that sound is one of the ways and music is one of the ways that you can communicate the purity of your heart's cry and expression to God and I just see healing coming into this room right now as God is beginning to restore hopes and restore dreams and preparing in the womb of our spirit man and in the womb of our destiny the strength to carry that which he has written before we were formed. I, 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 receive grace. I'm just going to go on for a few minutes. Just receive grace. My testimony is that with everything that I went through, standing before you, the first part of my replenishing is that I became a mother of twin boys. Very complicated story about how that happened. from the place of dryness in my sound by obedience little by little sentence by sentence instruction by instruction has come a river of songs that knows no end it knows no end it knows no end it literally knows no end so begin to trust him that in that place of dryness is a river that will never stop flowing begin to tell him I know you I know you God and this is how you do it that within that same place in this same place where there seems to be death is where the life of my of my heart will begin to spring forth 
where the light of my life will begin to shine forth. Jesus name. Amen. I'm very excited that I'm coming. I don't know why God did that, but I'm sure it was for someone. And don't worry, I'm opening my book. It's not because I have um, this prolific message to give. And so as I came here today, I pretty much had God telling me, I want you to pretty much jump on PI's message today. I begin to lead people to pray into that. And that's what I feel God is doing in my spirit right now. So I'm going to give you a little bit of history with about my work with Pastor Isi. So I remember the first time I met her was the time in my life when for no reason I started hosting this dinners. I felt God asking me to hold host dinners and so I would for no reason, you know, gather money, call a caterer, you know, they will serve the food. I will set the table. In fact, at that time, God also started leading me to spend pretty much all my money to buy forks and spoons and napkin rings and, and plates and flowers. And, and I started learning how to set tables. And I knew that it was something that the Spirit of God was asking me to do. And it didn't make any sense. I would travel and instead of buying clothes or books, I would be buying flower to put on top of fork and my pinterest was no longer filled with photography it was filled with table settings and table arrangements and stuff and then the first day i met pi was at some meeting where we were being taught about the hebraic months and i remember that we were being taught about the month of asha and how the sense of the month of asha was food mouth eating the table and then both of us looked at each other and said, oh my God, and she explained about to me about how in the same way that I'd been going through what I was going through, that she was not even ordering the food, that God would lead her and she would cook like there was a party happening, that T.Y., I will make yam and beans, rice and beans, I will make nkobi, do you understand? We banga soup and there was no reason, there was no birthday, there was nothing going on. And so, from then, I started to see that every time I watched her, I would begin to look out for the parallels in our lives, and there would be signs for me, do you understand, to understand what, what God was doing in that season. And so I knew that that was the language of the season. So, especially when things were hard, I would throw God a fist. Especially when things were difficult, I would throw God a fist. I would set a table and then I would use it as a prophetic tool to speak into a season. Now, about six weeks ago, God started to stare me to plant a new garden. Now, I already had a garden and it was very contemporary. It was very modern. And if you know what modern gardens look like, it's like all the plants look exactly the same. The colors are the same, very, very clean, very neat. So I had like this whole thing, a wall of like with birds of paradise, exactly the same plants, modern, clean. And then I had um, dressiners on a walkway and only dressiners. 
But then God started to stir up within me the desire to plant a new garden in the remaining space that I had with color and flowers. And if you know me very well, I'm not the girliest of girls. I don't do color and flowers and butterfly. And No, I don't. I like clean. I like clean lines. I'm like a 13-year-old boy growing up. I'm not really very, you know. And I started to plant this garden. And I've been telling somebody that for sure there must be a reason why I'm planting this garden. And I have spent so much of my, even up till two days ago, I spent so much of my garden, my time, every free time that I have, gathering plants. Every time I walk by a garden on the island, I will stop by and I would buy. And I remember, and I'll share, he asked me to do it, and I'll share my experience planting the garden. I don't know how much time I have, but I won't take too long. Yeah? Okay. And so I started to put this garden together. And of course, if you've ever planted a garden, you have the things that are your foundation. The simple plants, not so pretty. They're not so expensive ones that you can buy plenty, plenty, plenty so that the garden will be buoyant. So it's usually about, you know, planning it. How are we going to do this? So first things first, I said to make use of the, the old plants that I had and I pulled them together and then I made a plan and I decided, okay, I'm going to have a garden. There's going to be a chair and I started to buy my plants. So the first thing you do towards planting a garden is that you plan for one. And the next thing you do is you purchase. So I started buying my plants. And then when you start planting a garden, God started showing me about how planting a garden is like writing a song because it's about arrangement and placement. So I started to arrange my plants and put them together. Like I said, I started with the simpler stuff that I had access to. And then the more expensive, the more colorful stuff or the more exciting stuff, I placed them in very simple but obvious places to accent my garden. And then, little by little, I wish I could show you a picture of my very pretty garden. I started putting my garden together. But all this while I've been wondering why was God asking me to plant a garden? Why was I so obsessed with the garden? Until last week, I went to a garden show and I'm not a gardener by nature. Like I said, the first garden I grew, it was in four days. You know, real gardeners grow from nothing. And I showed the picture of my garden to a serious gardener and she was like, ah, T.Y., this pink, beautiful plant that you have is an Olandia. If a horse should swallow one leaf, it can die. So can you please take all those plants away because they are absolutely extremely beautiful but extremely poisonous. I don't know if anybody is getting anything here. And as I speak prophetically, start to look at your own life and see what God is saying to you. My Hollandias were the pride and joy of my garden. When you come in, the fuchsia pink will just hit you in the eye. Do you understand? They were fresh. And what I loved about the plant is that they're very easy to take care of and they flower through the year. And suddenly somebody had now explained to me that if a horse, not a human being, a horse should eat just one leaf, you know, of that plant, it will die. 
And not only was it poisonous when it was alive, it's poisonous when it's dead. If you take the leaves and you burn it and you smell it, you can choke to death. And so I had to rearrange my garden. And so I decided that, okay, I can't have my Hollandias. I'm going to keep the really tall ones and keep it. Nobody can touch it because it was very hard to let it go. Because without my Hollandia, where would my colors be? I didn't want green. I wanted fuchsia and pink and all the colors that Hollandias, Oleanders come with. So I was walking on the street and I decided, what's the next best thing? I was going to buy myself some Bangavillas. Fuchsia. White. And replace the poisonous Hollanders with Bangavillas. And I was very quick to find that the beautiful Bangavillas had thorns. So I remember an assistant of mine walked in and said, oh, these flowers are so beautiful. And she stuck her nose in it. And then the next thing, her face was itchy because the flowers had thorns. What's in your garden? What's really in your garden? Let us take stock. The things that we think will make our lives beautiful, what are they really? What if you ask God to open your eyes and show you what beauty looks like for your garden and show you the plants that don't belong there, the plants that need to be replaced, the plants that need to be repositioned, What's in your garden? What needs to be pruned? What needs more water? What needs... What will water kill? <laughs> Where are the accents? Where are the color? Where do you want the fragrance spots to be? Do you want it to be at the entrance of the door so that when people walk into the door of your house, they can smell something inviting? How do you make a beautiful garden? What should your time with God be like? Have you created a space where he can dwell? Have you created a life where God finds delightful? How does he respond to the poison that you are carrying? What is he wanting to prune? What is he wanting to take out? Now, I know there are many artists and creative people in the room, and I'm because I'm one, I can speak to you. Every human being was created to live a life that is glorious. We were created to shine. Light of the world, salt of the earth. In fact, is it Philippians 2, 15, that says that we are stars. We're all created to be stars. But when we live in a world where the quest for beauty and the quest for shining 
has caused us to be packing Hollandia and Bongavilla up and down, where we become prickly to touch and poisonous to engage in the quest to be successful, to be beautiful, to be enviable, and to be glorious. Can we ask the Father to make our lives a truly beautiful garden that he can show off? That he will make us a safe space for others to come in. And in coming close to us, they can experience more intimacy with him. That the beauty of our glory is not an invitation to us but every time people come closer, they see him clearer. Let's just begin to pray. So as I'm going to go today, I'm going to go very easy. I'm, I'm not sure I'm doing this very well, but I'm going to begin to pick up on the prayer points that P.I. had raised in the message that she was preaching. And if everybody can find their own corner, we're going to begin to pray these prayers in the next couple of minutes. You need to switch the music up a bit more. Not key, but what essence. So let's just need to pray. Father, open our eyes to see our garden. The garden of God is the place of delight, the, time, the place where you spend time with Him. The place that He most wants to cultivate. Father, open our eyes. The garden of God, like she said, is a place of eternal values that holds power and capacity. Begin to speak to your garden and ask God to show you where your garden is and how it should be. And the first prayer we're going to pray is, God, show me who is in my garden. What is in my garden? Where is the snake? Where is the deception in my garden? Who has entered the garden? Open my eyes. Open my eyes. Father, what has entered into the space of my desire? What am I beginning to desire in ministry that looks like what you have called me to desire but has, is something that has been tw tweaked by the enemy and warped by the enemy for my destruction. Open my eyes. Open my eyes, let me see Beyond the colors and the beauty Beyond the dryness and the plenty, how things really are. Balamoshada. Open my eyes, let me see. What you really had in mind, God. What you really planted, God. 
show me what does not belong Father show us what does not belong in our garden oh God the competition that we call dominion the drive that sits in the place where there should be submission the energy that we exude where we ought to really be letting go and letting him be God Father show us in the name of Jesus and Father in the name of Jesus we begin to pray that you restore the place of intimacy that our garden is not just a beautiful place that we show off to other people it is where you and I meet God it is not a place to take flowers to put up so that we can preach a nice message or sing a great song before other people it is our secret place it is the place where I delight in you and you delight in me Father restore the intimacy oh God Father Lord Almighty we begin to pray right now in the name of Jesus that you peel off all the layers all the layers of our identity where we have decided that yes we are prophets miracle worker seer poet artist business mogul and all the names that we have acquired through aspiration where God just wants us to strip everything off so that he can meet with us spirit to spirit so that Christ really may be formed Father we ask that you strip off the layers of disappointment oh God the names that we've called ourselves Father where we think that we are failures where we think it will not come together the clothes that disappointment and life has worn for us where we feel that we do not belong where we think that you are not pleased with us yet you love to delight in us Father right now in the name of Jesus change our names oh God show us what the name is in the name of Jesus change the name that we are calling ourselves Father we strip off the layers oh God we need you Father, we ask, oh God, that our time with you become the most beautiful part of our lives. Father, we place our space of intimacy before you right now. And we ask that you restore us to true fellowship. Teach us to sit. Teach us to wait. Teach us to find you. Teach us to hear you. Teach us to delight in you. 
teach us to live in a way where you can delight in us. P.I. said that nakedness was a prerequisite in the garden. Father, stretch off all the layers, oh God. Show us who we really are. Show us who you are seeing. Father, Lord Almighty, in the name of Jesus, deliver us from deception. Show us who you are seeing, oh God. Father, in this garden, oh God, give us the willingness to be vulnerable. Father, we invite you in to see it all. Father, in the garden, oh God, you delight to turn our weaknesses into your strength. In this garden, you heal and you restore and you turn around. In this garden, we are close enough for you to redefine what everything is, what every relationship with, what every friendship is. In this garden, we can be born again. Get into your garden. Forget about me. I'm not. This is why you came here. Hey. You know how to make me, how to make me beautiful. You know how to make me, make me beautiful. Here in this garden, oh, you know how to prune me, you know how to water. Here in this garden, oh, you know how to place me. You know how to reposition me, yeah. You know how to make me. You know how to make me beautiful. You know how to make me beautiful. Father, you know what to do with my rough edges. You know what to do with my thorns. You know how to do with the poison that is toxic within me. You know what to do with the blood. I take it all off. I take it all down. that I have built to my dreams, to myself, to me, to my name, to my name, to my journey. I take it off. I take it all down. 
Father, I thank you because in the garden we can be naked and ashamed. Because when you strip everything of us, what is left is what you created. And it will always be beautiful. For the next two minutes before I leave, just begin to ask God for everything. All the necessary plants, the ones that need to be plenty, the colorful things that make your life really sweet, the real ones. Ask Him to fill it up, to show you His design, His plan. Ask Him to help you move things around. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, we ask, oh God, that you remove from us unforgiveness, competition, hurts, bitterness, and everything that removes, that removes pleasure from what would otherwise have been the most beautiful experiences. Father, we thank you that you know how to create perfect. Thank you for your delight. Thank you, O oh God, that we have been restored. You have restored our thirst for your water. Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus. We drink of your light. Father, we thank you because we are restored. Our strength is restored. Our life is restored. Our leaves that were yellow. To receive of your life right now. That the dead dreams that have died are being restored in the place of intimacy. I thank you because right now in the name of Jesus, you are shifting things around. And showing us what you really planned. Receive light. How will you shine without his light? Because the biggest problem is that we are trying to shine without his light. Receive light. I know, and this prayer is for people in my neck of the wood the creatives, the singers, those that know the importance of their shining. We are stars. We are not the object. When the wise men saw the stars, it pointed to the Messiah. We're just pointers to him. And when we decide that our shining is the point of everything and then we judge our success or our failure by how much people say we have shone whereas we are just there to point light to him Father right now in the name of Jesus we begin to pray we repent oh God Father we thank you because we are not the focus oh God Father redirect us oh God that as we begin to shine for you 
we will lead men to you. Let the glory of our beauty point to only you. Let the fragrance of our giftings lead to only you. We are effortlessly beautiful oh pointing man to you we are effortlessly beautiful pointing man to you we are Effortlessly beautiful. We are shining, full of grace, and they both say, We shine so that men may see you higher. And not see us. We are effortlessly beautiful, effortlessly shining, effortlessly beautiful, effortlessly gifted, effortlessly wonderful, effortlessly wonderful, pointing men to you, and they, and they, and they, and they. And day, and day we shine brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter to the perfect day and brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter for the more listening to this message from the Hills Church. Our mission is to love people, connect with family, and touch the world. Learn more on our website at www.ecclesiahills.org or email us at hello at ecclesiahills.org.